Test. <laughs> Should I go with it or without it? It's Test. up to you, hey. brother. You're calling. Hey. Whatever you want. How, how are we feeling? Do you like this? Yeah, we're doing good. We're going with that. Yeah. What's going on, folks? How you guys doing? Good. 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 Um, thank you to Pastor Dan and Candy. Yes, sir. For having me here. It's awesome. You're welcome. Welcome. Thank you for Of course. Great to be here. This is, so this is like a, I like the vibe. It's like, it's, it's small. It's, it's chill. We vibe together, you know. It's, I kind of want to, I want it to be kind of like interactive. So don't feel shy. You know, if you want to talk, if you want to add in, say amen, yell, uh, speak in tongues, whatever you're feeling, just do it. You know, we got a baby back there. So if he's talking more than you, I'm going to be. So yeah. So um, yeah, my name is Andrew James. You can call me Drew. Um, everyone at my youth group calls me Drew. Basically, everyone I know nowadays calls me Drew. So, if you want, you call me Andrew because I was born with that name, and I'm not mad about it. So, but if you if you want to call me Drew, you can do that as well. Um, so yeah, I'm from uh, AC Youth, which is over in Auburn Hills. Um, which they'll be here Friday for the for the whole camp shindig. Yeah. Um, so that's gonna be that's gonna be cool. Uh, camp's really fun. We're happy to have you guys there. So, um, you may be seated. Compliment one person as you sit down. You look good. Thank you, brother. Thank you. So yeah, that's a little bit of my my background as far as that goes. Um, as far as my like work background and stuff, I I'm, I have a business that I've had for going on three years. I've been full time in it for this will be my second year full time. It's a yeah, it's a car detail business. It's really fun. Um, we've been we've been doing good. Have about got about like six employees. We did twenty five to thirty cars a week last year. I expect to double that going into the spring summer this year. So that's that's my goal. I thank God for that as well. It's a long story, but we'll talk about that next time I come. Um but yeah, so just to kind of intro, um when it comes to to business, there's a lot of skills that I learned I have to pick up. Um a couple of them that I'll name is first innovation, which is when you act on a whim, when you make decisions on the fly. 
Secondly is um, thinking and planning in advance. Planning in advance. And uh, there's a lot more skills, but you know, those are two I'm just going to pinpoint for now. And um, that's, in, that's in life, that's in work, that's in everything. You have to plan in advance, you have to innovate. Um, Romani is a real estate agent. He, um, he can, can attest to this as well. You have to innovate when you're about to do a showing or when you're talking to a client and they're asking questions, you have to be able to answer their questions. You have to be able to tell them the information they need. And you have to be able to plan in advance to see how the market's going to be. And you have to know how you're going to sell that house to that client when the market gets bad or when it's good, and et cetera, and so on and so forth. Um, I'm here to talk about God, not business, so I'll move on from that. But um, yeah, so like, um, I kind of want to talk about these two things just because the second point specifically, the planning in advance, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And that brings me to my title, which is advance. Turn your neighbor, say advance. Advance. Turn your other neighbor, say you advance too. Awesome. Bow your heads and you will pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to come here and be able to spend time together and to learn about you. Lord, I ask that you will help me to preach a word that's inspired by your gospel. Lord, I ask that you help me to preach not for my personal gain, but for your glory. That somebody will experience you in a different light today. That someone will leave this place changed and empowered. And that they'll feel your glory today. That they'll feel a healing. That they'll feel a resurrection. And we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Awesome. Okay. So, since we're going to be a little interactive, um, this is... You can raise your hand, but you don't have to talk. I mean, you can't. Um, has anybody ever felt like nothing went their way? Yeah. Felt like what? Oh, okay. nothing, nothing went their way. No. Oh. We, we all been there. Come on, no liars in the house. Joshua, raise your hand. All right, so 80% of people's lives are perfect. Awesome, good to know. I think most of us have, have had times where things didn't go our way. And um, for example, there was one time where I, um, I worked at a country club for a while. Um, I do a lot of my business students now, but I worked at a country club, and I was at the morning shift, and on my way to work, I spilled a whole bowl of corned beef hash in my seat, and it sauteed my entire car to smell like corned beef hash, and that was pretty toxic. Um, another time, there was ice on my steps at my house, and I tripped on it and fell and just laid there for like five minutes and <laughs> contemplated whether I should drop out of school and just be a bum for a while. Um, but, you know, but... I got it. I got it. Have you been listening? <laughs> I, actually, I actually did drop out of college. That's another conversation. That um, was a different Yeah, it's different, different school. Um, but yeah, and then, uh, or if there's times where like, your sibling has an alarm going off in the morning and they're too tired to stop it and you're too tired to get up and tell them to stop it, so that's annoying as well, it's just inconvenience. We've all had things not go our way, basically. Um, the person I'm talking about today will relate to our, our scenarios where this has been the case, um, and I'm talking about Job. So we will start in Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless, upright, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. His possessions also were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. And that man was the greatest of all men in the East. So we start off just with a simple summary of who Job is. It says that he is blameless and upright, that he's a man of God, that he has several different um, like cattle and sheep and stuff like that. And to put it in perspective, having sheep in the Bible times is basically like working on like Target. Like right now, it's like, it was just a very common thing. Yeah, had sheep. Right. Um, but he had a lot of them. It says he had 7,000. So sheep are mentioned over 500 times in the Bible. And the average herd? Yeah. Flock? Flock's birds. Flock. Herd. 
But either way, he's they both have lots of curses. Yeah. We're gonna you are, you're asking the wrong youth groups. Are we voting on herd or flock? They were alive, so not quite. But yeah, we'll say herd. So the average herd of sheep was anywhere from 400 to 1,200, and he had 7,000, which puts in perspective how much he really had in abundance compared to other people. And so he had about seven times the the largest average herd of sheep. So going to verse 7, it says, The Lord said to Satan, For where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth the hand now, and touch all that he has. He will surely curse you to your face. Then the Lord said to Satan, Behold all that has that he has in your power. Only do not put forth your hand on him. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord. So, um, I don't have a whole lot of scripture, but I have enough scripture. So um, the reason why is because if I preach bad, you can't say I didn't bring the word. So I have scripture because it is a good citation. Um, so what's happening here is Satan approaches. I like to tell stories when I preach as well. I, I, uh, it's kind of my, my style is like tell the story, preach on it, tell it, blah, blah, blah. Good, that's it. how I remember. So yeah, yeah. I, I think stories are fun. Do we all like stories? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, cool. So yeah, I'm going to tell Who knows the story of Job? Awesome. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, Satan is approaching God. And he says to God, allow me to tempt Job. Allow me to tempt the man who you are saying is blameless, who is upright, who is God-fearing, who does all good things in the endeavors of the gospel. Allow me to tempt him. And God responds by saying, you may do so, just do not harm him. Do not touch him. And um, he says, you may be the master manipulator, you may be the father of sin, but you will not tempt my servant Job, for Job is a proper man of God. And I find it funny how Satan fancies targeting Job specifically. And as I pondered on this, I thought about it, and I realized that the same way that Satan targeted Job back then is the same way that he targets us right now. And by that I mean Satan targets the people who are doing good works in God's kingdom. Amen. Satan targets the people who are doing right by God or who are in a good place in their lives or people who are elevated in a place where they feel as if they are conquering the world or they feel as if their life is going exactly how they need it to be. Those are the people that Satan targets. He doesn't target the people who are unfaithful because he already has them in his grasp. He targets the people who are faithful who are doing the right thing in the kingdom of heaven. And I don't know about you, but this is something that I can relate to my personal life because there were times where I felt as if my life was elevated financially, spiritually, and psychologically, but then the enemy attacked. Right. And there were times where I felt as if my life was in a spot where I felt great, but then the enemy attacked. Times where I felt I was satisfied with my present, I moved on from my past, and I planned for my future, but then the enemy attacked. Mm -hmm. And the enemy will always attack the faithful. But I got good news and I got bad news. The bad news is we won't be able to stop and get rid of the enemy's offense, meaning he will keep playing offense. But the good news is we can always play defense, and then we can play offense to follow. So we have to do that by coming together in unity, by trusting in the name of God, by trusting in the gospel, by sharing the good news. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that that was funny that he was targeting Job specifically. He was targeting a man who 
was at the top echelon of believers, not that it's a you know class, not those categories, but someone who was doing really right by God. For example, Satan would target a pastor. Satan would target a worship leader. He targets the people who are supposed to showcase the glory of God. Right. Because he wants to get them so that he can then grasp onto the church by targeting the, the faithful believers. So getting back into the scripture, verse 14 says, A messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. So this messenger comes and informs Job of his losses and it gets worse and worse. And uh, we see that the oxen and the donkeys were stolen. We see that the servants were murdered and that his, his family was also murdered as well. So Job was in this place where he was in the highest of highs, and then he gets lower and lower and lower, and it just gets worse from here. But in the midst of this, he still worshiped God. In verse 20, it says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshiped. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. But it gets no better from here. Satan approaches God again. And he says, allow me to harm his flesh, to which God says, you may do so, just do not kill him. And in this time, Satan gives Job skin boils. So he gives him a, a physical disease. He, he gives, not only did he take all these things away from him, but he's now at a point where he's giving him these, these things that are going to tear down his flesh. And what's crazy is his friends were the people who turned away from Job in this situation. They made a mockery of him. They belittled him and they said, you must have done something to where God is casting his judgment upon you. He said, you must have, you must have sinned, you must have done something. This, may, this has to be your fault, the fact that you're doing this. You might not be as righteous as everyone says. There's a reason why you have these boils in your skin, that you're failing, that you're losing your family and all of your belongings. And this has to be your fault. And they, they shun him, they almost, they, they almost castrate him and they, they talk down on, on Job and it's crazy because I feel as if sometimes the body of Christ mimics Job's friends. Mm -hmm. Rather than coming together in times of distraught, we tend to tear each other down. And not just the body of Christ, but the world in general. Why are churches coming against other churches? Why are believers coming against other believers? Scripture says that we are to come together in unity. So why are we pushing churches away and why are we pushing the world away? Right. Understand right. that the world can't experience a revival if the church isn't first experience a revival. And a revival is here right now, I'll tell you right Amen. now. The revival is here, but the church has to understand, we have to experience that for the rest of the world to understand it. We can't expect the world to conform to the gospel if the church doesn't conform to the gospel. Right. Right. And it's just crazy to me that we, that we can discriminate against people who are non-believers when in reality we should be welcoming them in first. Amen. The church is the place where non-believers need to be. We right. don't have time to sit and judge the world and say, you are not welcomed here because you are not perfect, because that is not biblical and that is not Jesus. Amen. Jesus yeah. is love. So we need right. to show right. the world love right. regardless of anything. Galatians right. well, 3, it says, the, the Apostle Paul said, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. In Matthew 18, 20, it says, when Jesus said, for where two are gathered, Together, there I will be in the midst of them. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. Right. We were called to love, we were called to seek, and we were called to save. Right. Whether that is sinners or whether that is believers, we are called to love those people around us. Just like the hoodie he's wearing right now, it says love. And that is right. what Christ right. is. Jesus right. is love. The Bible is love. The gospel is love. 
Yeah. We have to be more stringent with our understanding of the gospel. Amen. I don't care if you're a sinner. I don't care where you come from. You have a seat at my table. Right. I can't speak right. for all churches. I can't speak for all people. But I'll tell you right now, I personally believe in the gospel. I fall short of the glory of God as all people do. But I believe that all people are welcomed into the gospel. All people are welcomed mm -hmm. into the church. It does not discriminate. Yeah. Yeah. No matter who you are, you have a seat at my table. So getting back into it a little bit. After his, um, his interaction with his friends, he starts to feel distraught. He starts to feel weak. He's lost all these things. He's lost his family, his servants. He's lost this and that. And he's now in a place where he does feel as if it is finished and that it is done. He feels as if it is all gone and as if he's lost everything. And from hindsight, in hindsight, from the outside looking in, it does seem as if he has lost right. everything. And it's right. as if his life is, in fact, over because he's lost all the things that are important to him. I feel as if sometimes we feel as if we are in a similar place as Job. Um, you all have your personal situations. You all have your things that you've dealt with. And I feel as if there are times where we feel as if we've lost everything, as if our lives are finished, whether we're dealing with the crippling anxiety of the world or whether we're dealing with depression or whether we're dealing with a family situation. I feel as if we tend to get in this same place that Job is at where we feel crippled and weak right. and lost. Job lost and lost and lost over and over again. And sometimes we lose and we lose and we lose and we keep losing and times get harder and harder and we keep having to push. But the difference between us and Job is found in chapter 42, verse 10, where it says, And the Lord restored Job's losses, and when he prayed for his friends, and he prayed for his friends, indeed the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Verse 12 says, God blessed Job later life, God blessed Job's later life even more than his earlier life. He ended up with 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and 1,000 teams of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven sons and seven daughters. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. You see, the difference between us when we deal with our situations, many of us, not all of us, but many of us, and the difference between us and Job is that through everything that Job went through, he knew that there was still a battle to be fought. He knew that. When he says it's finished, it doesn't matter. It's when God says it's finished. Right. Yeah. With, right. with God, it's not over until it's over. With, right. with the gospel, the fight is not over until the fight's over. Right. There will be ups and downs because that is life and that is how it is as humans. We will experience flaws. We will experience failure. We will fall short of the glory of God as we all do as human beings. Right. But we have to understand that the story is not over until God says it's over. Right. Just as Job trusted in God, that's how we need to do as Christians, we need to trust in the name of Jesus Christ because there is power that comes with the name of Jesus Christ. There is power in the gospel. There is power in that name. And we need to understand Amen. that. And we need to come into, into grasp with that fact. The enemy will always attack the body of Christ because he's directed his power. We have to understand that. But we also have to understand that the Lord is waiting to bless us in abundance once we trust him. Sometimes we have to go through tests for a testimony of the Sometimes we have to go through pain for a healing to follow. Right, right. Sometimes we have to lose things for us to experience these blessings in abundance. Right, right. Still in the midst of Job's tragedy, what he did was he praised him in advance. Right. And he Come worshipped on. him Come in on. advance. Right. And he thanked right. him in advance. We need to get a little bit more of Job's perspectives because despite the anger, despite the struggle, despite the failure that we experience in our lives, we have to praise him in advance. Despite our family situation, we have to praise him 
in advance. Despite our personal sins and our flaws, we have to praise Him and thank Him and worship Him in advance. Blessings are coming, healing is coming, resurrection is right. coming, revival is right. coming. But we have to praise God in advance because He's done it before, He's doing it now, and He's already planning for the future. We have to trust in the name of God. It's time that we trust God on Monday for the testimony on Tuesday. We have to trust God on Tuesday for the right to worship on Wednesday. We have to trust God on Wednesday for the Holy Spirit on Thursday. We have to trust God on Thursday for freedom on Friday. On Friday for salvation on Saturday, on. and on Saturday we can trust Him for the right to have the altar on Sunday. And as we approach that altar on Sunday, we need to give God thanks in advance for what He's already working out in our Amen. lives. Amen. He's done it before, and He will do it again. Amen. We have to trust Amen. in the name of Jesus. The church has Jesus. to come together and do it as well. Yeah. Let me tell you right now, the gospel does not discriminate. Right. The gospel does not right. discriminate against a single person. It is for all people. And I love that we have these church events and we have camp and we have all these fun things that we do. But we don't come to church just to have fun. We come to church so we will experience the revival. We come to church so that we will experience the power of God. The world is flawed and it is in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it starts right here, right now. I'm telling you right now, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Just because you're not perfect, don't look at yourself and say that I am done for. You are never done for until God says that it's done for. And it always ends with good when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now. And you have to understand that it is a blessing that we are able to praise and worship God. It's a blessing that we're able to hear his word. And Romans 3.23, when it says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24 says, but we are redeemed by his grace. It's by his grace that we are saved. It's by the name of Jesus Christ in which we are healed. So let's understand that. Let's understand that. Though you may be crippled by the things that go on around you, the things that go on in the world, we serve a God who never gives up on us and never gives up on our situation. I am speaking from personal experience. I wouldn't be up here just yelling things for no reason without believing them. I'm telling you right now that when I have called on the name of Jesus, miracles have fallen. You have to trust in the name of Jesus. Listen, you don't have to know everything. I don't know everything about the gospel. I don't know everything about the Bible. I don't know everything about Jesus. I don't know everything about Christianity. There's very little I know, but what I do know is that Jesus is the foundation of my life. And when that happens, everything that revolves around that will be good. There will be good in your life when you trust him and put him first, even if it's not right now. As human beings, we are sometimes impatient. We sometimes don't trust in the will of God. I was telling my friend Kevin here who came with us, we went to, we went to lunch last week. And I was talking about how God's will is very different from our will. And sometimes we think that our will is the way, but our will is not always the way. And the story that I used was Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Mary and Martha were sisters to someone named Lazarus, and Lazarus was sick. He was passing away in this story. And what was happening in the story was Mary and Martha went to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, we need you to heal Lazarus' body. We need you to heal his heart. We need you to heal his mind. We need you to heal his body right now and do what you've done before. Lazarus later dies, and then Mary and Martha go to Jesus, and they say, Lord, if you had been there, Lazarus would not have died. If you had been there, a miracle would have happened. Lord, if you had been there, our brother would still be here with us. You see, Mary and Martha thought the will of God was for Lazarus to be healed. But Jesus replied by saying, no, it's because I wasn't there that a miracle happened. Jesus met Lazarus in his deathbed, and he resurrected Lazarus. 
You see, Mary and Martha thought the will of God was in the healing, but the will of God was in the right. resurrection. Right, right. If you're expecting a healing, oh, understand, good. the healing may not come now, but you're going right. to get a resurrection. Right. In the lowest of lows that this place of Job was at, he ended up trusting, he trusted God in advance, and because of that, he went from a healing to a resurrection. Yeah, the Lord yeah. resurrected all of his all of his blessings and his family and all of his things and all the physical things because he trusted God and he thanked him in advance. He worshipped him in advance. And when I say worship in advance, the word advance is an adverb used to modify the action being worship or thank or praise. This adverb advance means that you are trusting that he's going to work in your life before it happens. In advance to the miracle. In advance to the blessing. But understand something. There are steps beyond using the word advance as an adverb. An adverb is something that modifies, modifies the verb. Advance is the adverb of the action, worship, think, praise, in advance. For example, but well, we have to turn this word advance from an adverb to a verb. It goes further Come than on. just using trust him in advance. And we have to start advancing. We have to advance our personal lives with God and we have to advance the kingdom to follow. Yeah. Amen. So if you want to stand all across this place, um, I just want to encourage you today that whatever you may be going through, and whatever you will go through, because as as the, the video said, we will continue to go through things, we will face things in our lives, you need to praise God in advance through everything you do. Because He is working as we speak. Amen. You need to go to the altar call on the name of Jesus. You need to pray a bold prayer. Scripture says pray a bold prayer. If you are limiting the power of God, then you are failing yourself. Right, there is right. no thing you cannot do. So we need to pray, pray a bold prayer. We raise our hands as a sign of surrender, saying, Lord, I'm giving myself to you. Right now I am surrendering. In the, in the army or in the war, they raise their hands as a sign of surrender. It's like throwing up the white flag. You do this for God. You say, Lord, I am putting my hands up right now and I am surrendering my life to you. Take control, take the will, and allow me to experience the abundance of blessings that you've already bestowed upon me. So I want to encourage you today. I know it may be uncomfortable and I know it may feel weird, but I want you to step out of your comfort zone, whether that's raising your hands, praying out loud, praying with a friend next to you, singing out, singing out loud, or whether it's just taking steps in your daily life. Understand that when you call out to Jesus, he will respond, whether it's the time that you think it should be or whether it's not. And um, basically just what I want to leave you with today is that if you praise God in advance, if you worship him in advance to the blessings, you'll see them come to you and you will feel grateful in every aspect of your life. Come right ahead with me and we can pray with you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for being in this place today, Lord. We ask that somebody would take this message, that they would take it home with them, that they would be impacted by it, that it would touch their heart and their soul and their mind, that they would take this and spread this to their friends and their families, Lord, that somebody would today would just trust you and praise you in advance, Lord, knowing that you have already worked it out for their good. They are in the midst of this darkness, but there is only light at the end of the darkness. When there is a tunnel, you must come out of the tunnel, Lord. Help them to understand that there is light at the end of the tunnel, God, that you are already working in advance to their happiness, in advance to their salvation, in advance to their healing, in advance to their resurrection, Lord. Help us to know that your power is here for us. There is no discrimination in your power, Lord. Help us to trust in that. Help us to trust in you. Lord, no matter what we are facing, no matter what we have faced, Lord, help us to know that you are already working things 
us out for our good. It is an intentional love. And help us to trust in that intentional love, God. Help us to live by that. And to know that though things are hard for us, though we fall short, it is through your grace in which we are healed, in which we are forgiven, God. There is no sin that is too deep for your glory. There is no failure that is too deep for you to bring us out of this. There is no sickness that is too deep for your healing. Lord, help us to trust in the name of Jesus today. Help us to trust in what you've already done for us, God. You've done it in the past. You're working in the present, and you're already working things out for our future. Help us to trust in that in advance, Lord. Help us to trust you in advance. Help us to believe in you in advance. Help us to thank you in advance. Lord, we know that you are already working in our lives, God. You are already working miracles in our families, Lord. Miracles in our homes. Miracles for our friends. Lord, working in our schools. We know that you are in the midst. We know that you are omnipresent. That you will meet us in any place that we will welcome you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Come on, call out the name of Jesus.